When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it's time once again for another thrilling episode of The Hangover. And man, we have not had many joyous hangovers this year. I'm so glad to have one. I think we really needed one. Shannon White, what is going on? Just uh, still basking in the glow of sweet, sweet victory. I mean, we do have an announcement to make. I usually say... Tony Defio is on assignment if he can't make it here tonight, <laughs> but I'm not sure why he's not here. All I know is he must have partied really hard because I'm sure Tony was elated with the outcome of the game yesterday as the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the New Orleans Saints. Some might say a depleted team. We're going to talk about that, but as they beat them 20 to 10 and 10 points is a pretty significant win these days, isn't it, Shannon? Well, it's always significant if the Steelers score 10 points. So <laughs> to beat somebody by 10 points, that, that was uh, very encouraging. So if you had a chance to listen to my show, Bad Language, this morning, you would have heard that I named you in the top four as the winners. Everybody had the Saints losing to the Steelers. That was not an issue. But the score. Now, you were pretty close. You were the only person that I think that got the Steelers 20 points correct. Is that right? Uh, no. I, if I ain't mistaken, KT Smith had them scoring 20. He had the same score I did. I did my prediction on Wednesday night on Know Your Enemy. So, you know, I stuck with it, the 2017 prediction. Uh, and I think Tony might even had him win a 20 to 13 maybe. Tony was in the top four, Mm -hmm. and that's something I guess I would have to go back and look at, and that's something that we can do. But I know between you, KT, Tony, and Kyle Kreiss, the four of you were came the closest. I think two of you had were six-point difference, Mm -hmm. and I would say that two others were seven-point difference. And so if you had 20... 13 that's only a three-point difference so i i think that's 20... tony i think i was 2017 me and kt smith okay 20 to 17 okay that's seven points off mm-hmm. and then i think the other guys were six points off so nonetheless that's still pretty good and it's absolutely fantastic i uh i was the big loser for the week in which I've heard that a lot, but not <laughs> the way you want to hear biggest loser. You don't want to you want to hear biggest loser when you lose some weight. But no, I I went with the Steelers 31, the Saints 27. And Dave Schofield was laughing at me, not laughing at me, but he was uh he was uh needling me a little bit. He was like, I just need them to get to 20 before they get to 30. And I was like, you know what? They have the potential to break out in this game. And really, by my calculation. They really should have scored 30 points in this game. They had two missed field goals. Mm-hmm. That would have made given you 26. And the, of those four field goal tries, you know, one of them should have been a touchdown. I think two of them should have been a touchdown. But mm-hmm. if you just get one touchdown and you get the two field goals back, you get, there's your 30. So mm-hmm. 
they were in striking distance of doing it. They just did not do it. But it doesn't matter. Who cares? All I want right now, all I want for two weeks before Thanksgiving or <laughs> whatever it is, all I want is a Steeler win and we got it. Because it feels so much better to come on this show because it almost feels like after a while we get to make excuses for the Steelers losing. <laughs> And then we get, then we turn around, we get hard on them and people are like, what are you doing? You're making excuses. You're hard on them. I was like, well, you know, we have to look at it from all different angles. Let's go ahead and take $5 from Sean Manahan. Gladly old school Steelers back to the days of cower power and style. That was what I thought was a complete game, Shannon. And now there's, first of all, thank you, Sean Manahan. Mm -hmm. Great comment. Really appreciate that. But the reason I'm saying that this was a complete game and help me out with this, it's because not only did Kenny Pickett go from start to finish, it's his first complete game win. Because mm-hmm. that win that he gets credit for against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was not complete. But I know he didn't finish every single drive, and we just talked about that. But I thought he needed this for his resume to get off the schneid. How much do you think this game helps Kenny Pickett going forward? Well, I actually wrote about it in my stock report article coming out tomorrow that that game was so vital for Pickett, his maturity and his growth, because he did he was not on yesterday. He didn't have his best stuff. He's like a, a starting pitcher that doesn't have his best stuff, you know, his best fastball, and you know, his his breaking pitches ain't breaking, and and he just guts it out for six innings and keeps his team in the game even though he's not on that day. Pickett started the game. He was missing. He was missing bad, high. And um, he was just – good thing he was missing, but he was missing where neither, his guy or the Saints couldn't catch it, so at least he didn't throw any interceptions. But he had to gut that game out. He had to tough it out. And he found ways to contribute. He found ways to win that game. That's what winners do. You know, we can remember many games that Ben uh, had rough games, but they still won. If you remember, the last time they went over 200 yards rushing was when uh, Le'Veon Bell did against the Buffalo in that bad weather game up in Buffalo. Ben had three interceptions that game. He wasn't on at all, but he was. He made enough plays to help them win the game by relying on that running game and I think Dupree had three sacks maybe that game, and it was a defensive game. Um, that's kind of like what Pickett reminded me of yesterday. He he played – he was in control. He was in command. One play uh, that Harris had a big run, you could see Pickett hustling 20 yards downfield trying to throw a block to spring him the rest of the way. So, you know, again, it wasn't a thing of beauty, but winning ugly matters too. And a lot of times that shows – a lot of character, and I think Pickett showed that yesterday. Now, I will say you could probably say that maybe he won ugly, but I'm not going to call this a winning ugly game. And the reason I'm doing that is because I had just did an entire show on it. Bad language today mm-hmm. was, you know, getting used to not winning ugly. And the reason I'm saying that is because you got a great performance from the defense. And to me, one of the winning ugly staples is making all these mistakes and overcoming the mistakes. They didn't make a bunch of mistakes. They hardly made mistakes. They didn't turn the ball over. I mean, you can call Deontay Johnson dancing his way out of a first down, but they, they still got there. You can call Kenny Pickett, you know, avoiding some sacks with his legs. Um, getting getting lucky enough to uh have a an interception drop that's fine but i'm looking at all the positives because you asked more than anybody and you were man you're a pioneer shannon because you were talking about this way at the beginning Mm -hmm. saying that we need the pittsburgh steelers at this point i think they were one and three when you said it just to show progress Mm -hmm. was this fine progress for you Oh, I was very encouraged that that's the best run blocking performance from a Steeler offensive line in at least four to five years. They they really were precise. Um, 
they're starting to develop some timing uh, on their combo blocks. Uh, they're maintaining their blocks longer. Uh, there's they still, you know, they showed some struggles on pass protection yesterday, but the run blocking on either side, there was lanes, running lanes available. And uh, so I, you know, we said last week we talked about that. I want to see incremental baby steps of improvement. When you have that much, that many issues on offense, you've got to start small and then build off of that. The foundation is that offensive line. They made all that yesterday possible, and they showed real improvement across the line, especially, you know, Cole and then the left side. But they showed improvement all the way across, whereas Dan Moore, according to PFF, was the highest-graded offensive player for the Steelers. Which, which you I know, get. Yeah, it doesn't match up with our eye test. But run blocking, he did do a good job. Oh, phenomenal. Uh, they all did a phenomenal that's what I'm, yeah. run blocking so, job, yes. Um, that's something that they can build on moving forward. They definitely can, and I appreciate you saying all that. I want to bring up Drake Johnson's comment here. They played good, but it was the Saints. What do you say to that, Shannon? Well, it's you know you can say well the Saints had injuries and they did, but so did the Steelers. Um, the Steelers have played teams like the Detroit Lions last year, the Seattle Seahawks, teams that coming into the game had just atrocious, uh, you know, injury problems and really low rankings on, let's say, run defense when the Steelers played them. Steelers still couldn't run the ball against them. The Saints, defensively this year, they have some injuries, but they still got Cam Hayward. They still got DeMondi Davis. They've still got these guys, you know, some star power on that defense. So what the Steelers did you know, it's not the Buffalo Bills, yes. It's not the Philadelphia Eagles, but that's still a quality defense. And the Steelers did an excellent job and showed improvement. You know, in the past, the Steelers, it didn't matter who they were playing. They couldn't run the ball. So at least they are making that improvement. I, if we were grading the offensive line, and I said this with Jeff Hartman on the postgame show yesterday, I'm probably splitting the difference, but I'm going to give them that W gives you a lot more points getting that w is huge so i i ended up with a b minus because the run game was spectacular they score they uh ran for over 200 yards i think the line was 99 that was set so they almost doubled what the line was going to be for the over under mm. so you know all i'm going to say here is they made some great progress there there were six sacks on the steelers how many are you going to assign to the offensive line? And how many are you going to assign to Kenny Pickett? Because Kenny Pickett got himself sacked more than the offensive line in some instances. Yeah, I think if I was reading right, they assigned three to the offensive line and three to Pickett. Is that um, PFF? I'm, I'm not sure who, who you're going to I, I, I seen it on Twitter, and they were saying yeah. that they said that half, I didn't know they had six. I knew it was five or six. The Saints had sacks, but they said that half of them was assigned, you know, they blame Pickett. So, uh, so I assume that the other ones was on the offensive line. Now I'm going to go back to the question of it. Yeah, but it was the Saints. I don't care. A win is a win. And I don't even, like I said, I don't think this is an ugly win. But when you say that the Steelers had injuries too, not having Miles and Minka is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right up the middle. But we found out something, and we I think we knew this all along. I think we knew what TJ Watt did for this team yesterday. I think he inspired that defense, and he does so much more for that defense because when you have a TJ Watt out there, he needs more attention than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So that frees up Alex Highsmith a little, who got his eight and a half sack, eight and a half uh, sack on the season. Um, that frees up. I, I think Unga Joby is very good. I think mm-hmm. he's a fantastic pickup. I'd like to see them throw a contract at him. I, 
I liked a lot of what I saw from this team. I thought there's one thing that I noticed in this game. There was a point where it was a good thing for Andy Dalton that they got a, a false start penalty because Miles Jack, excuse me, not Miles Jack, Devin Bush Jr. would have murdered him. I, I realized they called the whistle, but when they called the whistle, the play had already started basically. And those guys didn't stop. He had a free lane to Andy, Andy Dalton. He would have decapitated that man. Did you remember that play? Yeah. Yeah. I seen it. And, uh, uh, he was frustrated because, you know, he, he knew he had that open lane and, uh, they, they timed that blitz, right. You know, it was a good call at that time. And, and yeah, he had him dead to right. So that actually worked in the Saints' favor. Yeah, it really did. Something else worked in the Saints' favor as well. And it was the uh the pass interference penalty that uh, you'll if I'm if I'm the Saints, I'm taking that small pass interference on Deontay Johnson every mm-hmm. single time. And it is really a shame for the Steelers because I think that they score in the 30s, and there's no doubt then it becomes a route if they get that one touchdown there. And here's why I'm saying that. That's a 65-yard touchdown. Deontay needs it. Kenny Pickett needs it. The mm-hmm. whole team needs it. The fan base needs a 65-yard score. They, You blow the lid off of that stadium mm-hmm. with something like that early on, and I think that changes some things. Yeah, but you've seen that it was a slant pattern. We, we've all been screaming and begging for some slant patterns. And and like I said, Johnson, it was it was a great call. You know, he he would have broke that. I mean, they he would have been by he was behind the defense. If that guy hadn't grabbed him, that that was like you said, that was uh take it to the house. And but that's they a smart went, penalty, too. Yeah, and they completed four slants. That's more than I can remember in the last four games. So there is as they gain comfort and the running game develops, the play action you know, we'll, we'll actually start to become more effective. Then we'll hopefully see them utilize that middle of the field because uh, they also hit Friermuth. You know, without Claypool in there, they put Friermuth in the slot like 40% of the time. And and he looked really good working out of the slot. So, you know me, and I've talked about this. I talked about it way before he was traded. I am a huge Ace Claypool fan. Uh-huh. If if the Steelers were going to trade anybody, I would have wanted it to be Deontay Johnson. I noticed every single pass catcher wide receiver slash tight end who, whatever you're looking at, I felt like they were so much more attentive. And that does not mean that this is addition by subtraction because Chase Claypool was a problem. You know, some Uh people are saying that, nah, I don't want to hear that. This just means there's more opportunities for some other guys. Mm-hmm. And with that, you're going to see a better Deontay Johnson. You are going to see a better Steven Sims. He, he had two targets yesterday. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a better Steven Sims. You're going to see a much better Pat Fryermuth. And of course, and I think we started to see it. You're going to see a much better George Pickens. Mm-hmm. Well, now you that, see the one of the plays that Sims picked up a crucial in the second half, first down, yeah, he he come around and he took a shot, and he still managed to fall forward and pick up that first down. Um, and that is something that I don't know. You know, he would have got an opportunity to make that play if Claypool was still on the team. So as you say, it is an opportunity, and I thought the Sims looked good in his limited opportunities this year. They did a lot of two tight end sets and a lot of, uh, you know, what they used Derek Watt yesterday. So Sims didn't get quite as many opportunities as I thought he would, but I think moving forward, he'll get even more. You know, I'm in no way, shape or form going to say that this was an A plus performance by Kenny Pickett. Cause it wasn't, mm-hmm. but he made some steps forward without taking any steps back. Shannon, are you going to agree to that? Oh, definitely. Like I said, you know, as I, as I talked about earlier, I think that that showed a lot of growth. Uh, I think that he would have lost that game earlier in, in this season because he would have thrown some interceptions. 
Uh, just just the little things, like three at least two times, maybe three times when he got out of the pocket and he was getting ready over at the sidelines, instead of taking that ball out of bounds and maybe losing a yard and giving up a sack, he would just toss it out like he should. You know, don't no negative yardage plays. They hardly had any negative yardage plays yesterday. All right, there's something that we really got to talk about there, and it's the play calling. And we are going to do that after we take a break. So I'm going to ask you all to stick around right here on BTSC and come on back because we're going to talk about Matt Canada and his production yesterday as well as a play caller. And we are going to talk about so much more. You got to stick around. We're celebrating today, my friends. Shannon's partying. I am partying. I mean... I'm hoping Tony's not in a ditch somewhere. I, I mean, have you done have you done the wellness check that I asked you to do yet, Shannon? Yes, he's okay. He is yeah, all right. Okay, good, good. Now, Shannon, I mean, Tony asked off. He's taking care of some family. So I'm, I'm just, we're just making fun. But stick around. We'll be right back after this on a Victory Monday. It's a Steeler hangover on Behind the Steel Curtain. The worst looking man you've ever seen. And there I am on the subway train. He is our Doc Severinsen. That is the Jerry Cherry Band. And, you know, I talked about how great he was last week. And, of course, the most humble man in the world, too. I mean, he, he sent me a message last week. means a lot to him. But, no, it means a lot to us that Jerry Cherry gives us that music to go ahead and use. And you know what? If you're interested in learning about the guitar, which I am, I'm just not good at it. I'm not good at reading music. I'm not good at a lot of stuff as far as the coordination of it. But he does these tutorials every Sunday. And then you can go see them on his YouTube channel. It's really good stuff. So I love it. We, Shannon, I think we need, we've been, we're the only ones that use worst looking man. The any Brian Anthony Davis podcast has worst looking man, and that's that song there. And it's it doesn't say that we are the worst looking men, it's actually we're not the worst looking men you've ever seen. So, <laughs> but I, I think we need a special, I think we need a special personalized, you know, intro with our mm-hmm. names in it. What do you think? That sounds good. You're a songwriter, aren't you? Uh, no. I can see you. Uh, <laughs> I can see you around the campfire. <laughs> I mean, I I'm not trying to pigeonhole you because you live in West Virginia, yeah, but you yeah, know, yeah. I I could I could see good hoot nanny and stuff like that. I I used to love that when I lived in West Virginia. I used to do that stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So hey, guys, let's go ahead and do this, and we're going to talk about Matt Cannon in a second. But a few of you have mentioned pigeon power. So everybody's talking about the pigeons. So, yeah, they're 2 and 0 with pigeons. We have not heard this reference yet. And I'm going to bring it out. And I'm going to try to bring it out um, in memes. I was looking it up today. And I was joking yesterday that it was P is for pigeon. That's good enough for me. But that C is for cookie. But on Sesame Street. And Shannon, I come on. You grew up with Sesame Street, right? Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah, because you were born, I mean, it came out in 69. I think you were born in 70. I was born in 71. I grew mm-hmm. up on that. And, yep. I, and my kids grew up on it. And one of the big songs, remember Bert's, uh, Bert's Pigeon song? Now I remember that. It goes like this. Bam, 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 doing the pigeon. Dun, dun, doing the pigeon <laughs> and he's doing this crazy pigeon dance. So <laughs> I, I, I think we need to go ahead and, and keep on doing the pigeon next week at 425. It's not going to be dark when that game starts. So the pigeons have a place to go. Ron Schultz just yelled out, just wrote smelly cat. <laughs> that, that would be great too. Love me some Phoebe buffet. And speaking, speaking of which, you know what? I'm just going to go off topic a second real quick. Cause I just said, he just, Ron just mentioned friends. I'm sure you watched the show Friends. Mm. Did you ever watch Days of Our Lives growing up? I think a lot of us would would probably say that we had to catch it by accident, and next thing you know, we're watching it on our own because that was such a good show 
especially in the 80s and 90s. Did you ever, ever catch an episode? I know where you're going with this. You know the reason. The reason why is because when you're out in the country, you had three channels growing up. We didn't have cable. We had an antenna. You had to turn it to get the channel you want. So a lot of NBC, a lot of days of our lives during the day, because there wasn't nothing else on. If you was home from school or whatever, and I know you're going to talk about the tie between Victor and Friends. Yep. And Vic- my favorite person on Friends was was his daughter. Yes. So <laughs> the man that played Victor Kariakis since 1985, I believe. And he was just, he filmed just an episode, just filmed one that's going to come out. I guess his last appearance is going to be on Friday at age 89. But John Aniston, rest in peace. Um, passed away today. I mean, somebody brought up, I mean, if you're bringing up friends, I got to make that one, one of the greatest soap opera actors of all time. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah, I got to bring that up. And you know what? Bad. How can you bring up a soap opera in that <laughs> during a Pittsburgh Steelers show? You know why I can? Cause the Steelers are a soap opera. <laughs> and Rachel these- is always relevant. Yes, Rachel's always <laughs> relative <laughs> relevant. Did, did you have the Rachel haircut back in 95? The Rachel hairstyle? Did I? Yeah. No. I bet you, you dated one you dated all these these women that had the Rachel. Uh, uh, I knew some, but I, I never I didn't have that haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm just messing with you. But so the days of Yin's lives is what we're talking about. So and Ron Schultz just wrote it what I was saying it. I think we we put that simultaneously. <laughs> so, um, you know, anyways, let, let's get back to it. I just wanted to bring up doing the pigeon, and then I don't know. It was great how you just morph into that, but you know. But we got to remember how important fowls, birds are to the city of Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, because we have the penguins, and then we had the duck, and now we got the pigeons so i mean this is a good omen hey, wait, wait wait a second say that again because you cut out a second i i know you mentioned the penguins what else yeah, did you then we had the duck duck Hodges. yes yeah he was important oh you're part, you're, part miss, of, you're missing some stuff here shannon yeah, you're but missing. now we got the pigeons. I mean, it's there's been all kind of foul. Yeah, you're it. you're missing the big one though. You're missing another big one. The pirate parrot. The parrot. Oh, I forgot about my buddy. Yeah, I like the parrot. And <laughs> is this? I might be completely wrong, but I think this is a bird as well. Is a condor a bird? Yeah, yeah. The Pittsburgh condors of the ABA, mm. the American Basketball Association. I think that was the last the last truly professional basketball team that we had in Pittsburgh. I know back in 2006, they had a, a CBA team for a little bit. I mean, mm. for a cup of coffee, I think, I think your boy, uh, Kevin Pitsnoggle, um, had a cup of coffee with the Pittsburgh. Uh, oh, did he? Team. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember being there for the celebration of the Steelers, uh, Super Bowl XL. Uh, I was there for the parade and, and my buddy was talking about how they were playing that night over at the igloo i guess it was it was still the igloo back then yeah so with that being said let's get into it let's go north and i know birds like to fly north sometimes i know they're flying south right now Mm -hmm. but let's go north to matt canada look you know me i'm I'm a big critic of matt canada Mm -hmm. I, i i hate that i did this but I said fire Canada a few times. Not that I'm, look, I'm not, I'm still going to be happy if they make a change there. Mm-hmm. But I would be a hypocrite and I would be wrong if I did not say he had a phenomenal coaching game yesterday. What was the staple of Matt Canada's game yesterday for you, Shannon? I, I'm not sure if I want to give Matt Canada that much credit. Only because, only because this, it would not surprise me if the Steelers didn't go into the bye. The Rudys don't fire people in season. I mean, hardly ever has that ever happened. 
if they didn't take some of the play calling duties off of Matt Canada uh, and spread it, because he even said there at one point at the beginning of the bye week that uh, there was multiple coaches that had a hand in making decisions depending on the unit and where they were on the field. And it was, it was all kind of confusing to listen to him in that interview. I wonder if they didn't simplify some things. Obviously their success came in, in because of the running game. Um, they ran some design runs for Pickett, something that they hadn't done very much with Trubisky either. Uh, I think they simplified things. And I think that the players themselves took on uh, more responsibility. You've seen a attention to detail out of the offensive line. You've seen, you know, they Harris said he went to the coaches and said, what can I do to help our offensive line and, and help us be successful? Well, you know what they're going to say is quit dancing, quit hesitating, use that, you know, 6'2", 245-pound body and run over somebody. Well, he did that. And and a lot of the things, the plays that were successful yesterday wasn't great plays. I mean, they always sent somebody in motion, you know, just to try to see if there's a man going to go with him. But it was really back to the basics, as somebody said earlier, more Bill Cowher-like back in the day. So, um, you know, I criticize Canada because I, I don't believe in him. I don't believe he's listened to his players and communicated with Pickett and the other players to what they like and what works and what they're comfortable with. Hopefully he did that during the bye week. You know, I, I don't know. I'm not in there, so I can't say for sure. So but, neither, neither am I. But I just think that um, based on what we've seen out of Canada's offense for a season and a half, yesterday was really out of character. Uh, especially the running game and the the attention to detail. Um, I, you know, I've been critical of Tomlin in the last few weeks, but Tomlin, that's something that he does do. He's not an X's and O's coach, but he is a motivator. And it wouldn't shock me at all if he didn't have a talk with Harrison saying, you know, refocusing him. He didn't have a talk with um, the offensive line and the coaches and say, hey, Y'all going to have to pick, hold up your end of the bargain on this thing or this offense ain't going anywhere. And I think we saw the results yesterday. So here's where I'm going with it. And look, I don't care who did it, but I'm going to give credit to Canada. And, uh, you know, I'm also Mark Tobin writes. I'm not giving us a lot of credit for this win. Sorry, I am. But I respect you for not. The reason I'm going to give them credit for this win is one. They executed. They did not make mistakes. Did they get into the end zone as much as I would have liked them to? No. But with what they were doing, they had the potential to score 30 points if they make those field goals. If Boswell's there, my gosh, you know they're making two more field goals most likely. Unless he's too hurt to kick. You know, so if a healthy Chris Boswell is there, that's, that's what I'm thinking. But there's one play that I'm thinking this was Canada. I'm not sure who it was. It was trickery in a way, but when you're handing the ball off to George Pickens, who has never gone up the middle before he may have done, he said he may have done that in peewee or, or college in her high school, but not since And he, he goes, you're probably never going to see me do that again is what he said. But it was, it was really interesting to, because I'm watching that. I'm just watching Najee the whole way. I didn't even realize that pick that Pickens was there. And and there you go. Well, I noticed that they did a couple of wildcats that was unsuccessful. They you watch guys get schemed open in offenses all across the NFL. Uh if you go back and you watch what I watched so far, I haven't watched it all of it, but there's a lot of times that Pickett didn't have nowhere to go with the ball because the guys go to their sign, you know, route and they settle, whether it's in a zone or a comeback or whatever, and they stop moving. And then he's back there and he don't have anywhere to go with the ball. Canada is not doing a good job of scheming guys open. He keeps doing these. They, they were praising him on the broadcast 
about doing these sprint outs with Pickett and, you know, giving him a clear sight line like they were doing with Trubisky when he was playing. The problem is you're cutting the field in half. And on at least one occasion, they only had one guy in that route. Well, the guy was covered, and all Pickett could do was just pitch it out of bounds. That's that's just so vanilla. Um, it, I just can't give Canada credit for, for that victory yesterday because – you know, you come down to the running system, the running game, and Pickett didn't turn the ball over. And then the defense doing, you know, they basically held them to 40-some yards. They held the Saints to 40-some yards in the second half. You know, that's what won that game. I can't, I just can't give Canada credit. All right. So, Faceless Man says, I've been saying for years we need a tandem running back focused offense, which is something you got yesterday. And when Mike Tomlin asked about that, he said, hey, it's something we've been talking about. Running back by committee, that's a big step. That's a big change for Mike Tomlin, who has been bell cow for 15 years. But Faceless Man also says next six games are all winnable. Let me ask you this. And if we try to predict those games, and we did that last week, and you know what? A lot of people are right. You know, it's going to change. So you can't say what's going to happen in December is going to be something, that, something that's – we might be in a – a situation when you're playing a Baltimore team with, with Huntley or somebody else, if that happens and you're playing, you're playing a Bengals team this week without Jamar chase. And with that extra game, more guys are going to get injured. But what I'm saying, say they go five and one in the next six games and there's eight more games left, but they go five and one and they end up with, they end up either nine and eight, or maybe they, they get lucky to, uh, maybe they're eight and seven, or maybe they are really lucky and get go ten and seven. I'm not saying they are, but if that happens, does that erase everything with the organization and they keep Matt Canada, or does this team need to continue to lose to realize that you got to get rid of Matt Canada? Well, a lot of things coming down to execution, um, and as we've seen. You know, we talked about addition by subtraction, but sometimes if you have less options, it simplifies the reads for the quarterback. And maybe it'll help Pickett to develop a rapport with one or two guys. Every quarterback has one or two guys that he has a rapport with. And then the other guys, as he goes through his progressions, he'll get them the ball. But you want to have your, your number one guy and your top two guys. Well, you can't really say who that is for Pickett yet. I mean, they was force-feeding the ball towards Johnson because of the way the play calls were set up, and he always looks open, but he's not efficient with the high volumes of targets. So that's why it's important that Pickett develops his chemistry with Pickens and with Fermi. And hopefully that's going to happen. Uh, you know, with the, the, the way the running back committee, if they will actually stick with this, say 60-40 split, um, and keep Harris from taking a beat and keep him fresh, you know, you utilize Warren. There's a lot of that can improve over these last games. So let's say they win five of the next six. It doesn't change my opinion on Canada because the talent finally figures out a way to execute. He still is not up to par of what I think the Steelers need and to actually develop Kenny Pickett. I think that the progress that will be made will be because they've simplified things and they've relied more on their defense. And hopefully with Boswell comes back to their special things. Um, now, if they start scoring 30 points a game, then, yeah, you, you know, obviously Matt Canada is going to have a hand in that. I don't see that out of this offense. I think there'll be improvements. That's what I want to see. I think everybody wants to see in these the rest of this season, if you win, win them all, that's great. But I'm more concerned about seeing Piggott answer a lot of questions before they go into the next draft cycle. Can he be the quarterback of the future? Well, the answer that we're still looking for is in the title. It's not, well, not the answer. It's the question, the possibility of the Steelers winning over the Saints. Do you think this game could be pivotal for this team? 
yeah, they, they desperately needed it. And the most, again, I'm just, I keep going back to that foundation, that offensive line, they looked well coached yesterday. They looked, you know, they might not be the most talented offensive line out there, obviously, but they, they played cohesive, fundamentally sound, focused football. And therefore they was running lanes for two good running backs. And, you know, and then when you throw in Pickett's mobility, uh, they can have a running game. Now, of course, when they play just even better defenses, which I don't know how many of them that is still on the schedule, uh, because a lot of the defenses the Shores are going to be playing are beat up. And, you know, but time, like you said, but time the Shores for the men. But I, if they can continue to develop that running game, uh, that's crucial because that, that foundation is is what we've seen against the Saints, and it has to encourage all of us. Very good. So I'm glad you said this. I think there's a possibility that this could be pivotal because, you know, the schedule is not as grueling mm-hmm. as what it was from the beginning. So let me ask you this. If you go back and you have this team play like this from the very beginning, play with what you saw, the kind of effort with the scheme improving a little bit. Is this a, uh, is this better than a three and seven team right now? If you got to start with the effort that you got in week 10, you mean three and six, three and six, excuse me. Yeah. Don't give us a loss before we get one. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. You're right, man. I, I'm sorry. I, no, I had to pick it. Um, yeah, Definitely. I, I've said all along that I thought Pickett won the posi- starting position in the preseason. Uh, I thought he was more – I understand the mentality behind starting Trubisky, but at that point of the preseason, a lot of the things that have been Trubisky's weaknesses were apparent in the preseason, whereas Pickett was more decisive, better anticipation, more accurate. Um. And I thought that if they would have started Pickett in the beginning of the year, some of them games they lost, like the Patriots games, the if he'd have been in the whole Jets game, let's just say, uh, because by that point, he would have got practice reps with the first team receivers, and he would have been farther along in his development. Even with Watts' injury, the Steelers ran some of them games, and I think they would have pulled him out with a better offense. So, I think it would have been a different record, definitely, than three and six at the moment. I still think that you're losing. You know, if you played it, played this season over with this team at this point where they are, and you started week one, I still think you lose, even though you won, I I think you lose to Cincinnati. I think it's a little bit different. I think you lose to Cincinnati. I think you go ahead and win the next three, that being New England. Cleveland, and then the New York Jets. I, you're losing a Buffalo. You you probably still win against Tampa. You Miami. I think I think you win against Miami just because Pickett's not having the growing pains that mm-hmm. that he would have then. So I think this could be a whole much different thing, and I think they're setting up 2023. But why not? Why not keep on going and see how much momentum you can build right now? Mm-hmm. You did not get killed for those draft folks. You did not get killed yesterday in the draft because not only are we rooting against the Chicago Bears to have that high second round pick, <laughs> look who beat them. Mm-hmm. So Detroit is still has a better would have a better record and a better situation than the Steelers right now. Mm. So the Steelers are still drafting ahead of Detroit. Carolina won over the weekend, you know, so you gotta, you're just going to get Houston to start winning some games, (laughs) but you know, that, that doesn't really matter. I I could care less about the draft. I want the momentum and I want them to pick wherever they can, wherever they can pick. And that it's nice to know that they have that second round pick. You know, it's like, like we said, if Pickett is the answer, or you know, they feel comfortable, regardless, they have to build the foundations, the offensive and defensive line, 
in this draft and this free agency period. If you look at the Eagles, what sets the Eagles apart from everybody right now is their offensive defensive line. Yes. If you can put pick it behind that type of line, if you can let Harris and Warren run behind that kind of line with the, the skill position talent they do have, you're going to see Pickett take a growth like uh, Hertz did for the Eagles. Hertz, he wasn't even considered the answer for sure. The Eagles considered drafting a quarterback in the first round this year. There was a lot of talk yes. about that. So, you know, again, now Hertz looks awesome and the Eagles look like a, you know, juggernaut, but it's because of their foundations. So the Steelers going in, if Pickett looks like, you know, he's a possibility even, build the foundations in front of him. And then, you know, they're going to have more money to use than they normally do, just like last season. You know, the more salary cap to bring in some free agents, get a key guy here and there, and you're going to accelerate that rebuild, you know, you know, unbelievably. Okay, one last question, and this is one that we can't answer either because it's hypothetical, but I watched that game last week with Kansas City and with the Tennessee Titans. I know we talked about this, and I'm not denying that Malik Willis has the the chance to be a fantastic quarterback. He's going to go through growing pains as well because, I mean, I could go back and say Justin, Justin Fields is turning into a superstar in in Chicago. And I, I think he is going to be one of those guys that's going to be super good. I know Chicago has the ability to screw that whole thing up. And I know that. But all I'm saying is right now, could you imagine what this team would look like with Malik Willis? I think it would be a mess right now. More than it already is. Well, you know, we have a, a colleague that was really, really high on Malik Willis. Yeah, he's, and, and Andrew Wilbar's still on morning. I think. Yes, and I was not. And the reason why is because watching uh, his tape at Liberty, Justin Fields played Ohio State. I mean, he played against the top competition, and he was surrounded by great talent, obviously. You know, that comes with it. But he showed an ability to progress, make, go through his progressions, and, and showed some anticipation. And it wasn't just all athleticism. If you go back and you watch Willis at Liberty, it was so he was so dependent on that athleticism. And as we know, you, it doesn't translate exactly the same to the NFL. And that scared me. That's why I did not want him to be the Steelers' first-round selection. Because, you know, you've got a really high ceiling, but you also have a really low floor. And uh, based on all that, uh, I, I think he's got thrown in there because, you know, of Tannehill's injury. And, it, it you know, it was basically he was lost. Uh, and you've seen the the difference uh, in the ability to process and make, you know, process all that information quickly. So uh, I'm more than happy that that it worked out that the Steelers got picking. And there was actually a couple of other guys in the draft that I would have rather had than Willis because of that reason. All right. So I want to bring up one comment real quick. Uh, Rich from the Facebook side says, don't go off the beaten path. Saints are nothing. They had no players. We'll see how good they are this week against the Bengals. Look, I respect that. I understand that. But now next week, say the Steelers beat Cincinnati because Cincinnati's not the same, especially without Jamar Chase. If Jamar Chase is not in that game, and I think right now Jamar Chase is probably not in that game. You've got the cornerback, I believe it's a woozy, who's not going to be in that game as well. Um, he's definitely out for, th- for the season. So I'm saying, so if the Steelers happen to win that game, Shannon, are we going to have fans turn around and say, hey, they beat the Bengals without Jamar Chase. They beat the Bengals without a woozy. They beat the Bengals without this guy and that guy. Oh, yeah. It's like the Vikings are, what, 8-1 and one now? And they went into Buffalo and won that crazy game. That was an awesome game yesterday, by the way. But people still doubting the Vikings, you know, because, you know, uh, Josh Allen's elbow is acting up and, and he, but, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Right now, the Steelers 
the wins and losses, again, I, I'll say it to me, isn't the determining factor. But if you see them have a strong game running the ball and the offensive line looks improved yet again against the Bengals, you remember the first Bengals game. Yes. That offense was terrible. That defense did everything, five turnovers and seven sacks or nine sacks, whatever it was. And a whole lot of luck. Yeah, and had and give them short fields and everything else. And they barely beat them. They should have lost. Uh, and so we can see improvement. If we see that this week, that's the thing to focus on, you know, gaining momentum for the rest of the season. Uh, they'll always be the naysayers, and we understand that. But, you, you know, nobody can deny that the offensive line looked better in the running game yesterday than they had at any point for a few seasons. And that's what we want to see continue. So you're really embracing the silver lining part of this and the fact that the st- that's not really a pivotal win. This is just them finding themselves. And if they can keep it going, then anything's gravy. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's that's the whole key. I like- yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the key to to have sustainable improvement and growth if you're wanting to be a contender again, which they obviously are. Uh, you got to start somewhere and, and you start with baby steps. And I think that was a, a really good uh, step in the right direction yesterday. All right. So Shannon, let's get on out of here. And we got to thank everybody for coming in. Look, everybody in the live chat, we can't do this show without you. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed, you know, Miss Tony. Tony yeah. will be back next week. But man, I had a great time with you tonight, Shannon. We had our one-on-one show, and and it was really interesting. Gosh, I had another one yesterday. I had a one-on-one show with with Jeff Hartman yesterday with with Dave at the game or on mm-hmm. assignment, like I like to tell everybody. <laughs> I, I think we're more official if we say we're on assignment. Um, so with that being said, so thanks to all of you. Thanks to all of our colleagues here at BTSC. We have a really nice mix of original stuff. If you want to talk about the draft tomorrow, Andrew Wilbar, he's going to be talking about it with Jeremy Betts on The Fix. That comes out at noon. The Cutting Room Floor with Jeffrey Benedict. He's going to be talking about some really great stuff, looking at this game and looking at the Steelers going forward as well. So there's eight more weeks of this NFL season. They are going to make it interesting like they always do. So please stick with Behind the Steel Curtain for all of your Pittsburgh needs. Shannon White, I'm going to say this to you. I always say it to Tony, so I'm going to ask you. Actually, I'm going to say it to you. Just when you think you've got all the answers, my friend. We keep changing the questions. I think I'm going to steal your line. Woo! <laughs> you do it better, Shannon. Do it. Let's Woo! Do it. Woo!